Miles, this movie has everything. Vampires, people with special powers, Commander Zavala. We're talking about Godzilla versus Kong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The More You Nerd. This is the first in a long time we are doing, I can't believe it, a spoiler cast. Yes, that's right, folks. We are here in the year 2021 talking about a brand new movie. I can't believe it's a brand new movie that we got to see from the comfort of our own homes. Thanks to HBO Max. We are talking about Godzilla versus Kong, not King Kong versus Godzilla. Not Godzilla versus King Kong 2021's Godzilla versus Kong, the last in the quadrilogy of of Toho monster American movie license. The Monsterverse is what the they Monsterverse. call it. Uh, that that has just that has just launched on hbo max so thank you guys for joining us for the last bit of monster march as we record this the first day of april it doesn't matter it doesn't matter we're still gonna do it anyway just know that there will be massive spoilers for godzilla versus kong yes um and if you have not seen the movie and we're very confused by drew's intro um don't worry (laughs) I this this movie was kind of the reason for the season in terms of how we did the, how, what we did this month is, you know, we knew this movie was coming out and we weren't sure if we were going to be able to fit this particular movie in, but we wanted to be somewhat topical and do monster movies. And we finally, I think Drew was like, well, let's just push the recording day back and we'll review Godzilla versus Kong because there's one last week in March and it'll be super, super fun. And yeah, I'm, I have been really excited for this movie for a very long time. Uh, Drew knows that I am a massive, massive Godzilla fan. I'm Everyone wearing a Godzilla t-shirt. that has t-shirt. listened to more than four episodes of this show knows <laughs> that you're a massive Godzilla fan. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's Godzilla and Power Rangers. But um, I, I, this movie was announced I think in 2015, Godzilla King of the Monsters had not come out yet. And Kong Skull Island, I think, had just finished filming. Yeah, because Skull Island didn't come out until 2017. Correct. But they were already making that because uh, Universal sold the rights uh, to Legendary. And so there was a lot of speculation. We're not, uh, by the way, we're not doing a full on intro because this is pretty much a brand new film most people know about it and while there is some nitty-gritty there's not a ton because if you know you've been out there you know that there's godzilla movie and a follow-up and here we are the initial plan from it it constantly changed because at one point it was going to be kong skull island came out then they were going to do godzilla versus kong and then Godzilla 2. And then they decided to switch things up, I guess, early on in development. And this movie has kind of been my 
my great white whale because one the 1962 Godzilla or King Kong versus Godzilla, while fun, even at the time, was a little lacking. You know, it was not supposed to be a script for King Kong and Godzilla to meet. It was supposed to be King Kong versus Frankenstein. That's a whole other story. But ever since I saw that movie, I, I and in Godzilla movies in general, I always wanted to see a full on massive special effects extravaganza. And that's what these American movies have have done for me drew and uh i both watched the 2014 for this podcast a couple years ago for monster month in october when we did all these godzilla films and drew that was the last you had seen you didn't see king king of the monsters until this past month correct (laughs) i saw the first half of king of the monsters because i gotta be honest i lost interest Uh, Mm. And oh, that, that's, that's, but, that's, but that is that that is an interesting thing that I I think I came into it with wrong expectations because as I go through uh, the, my my pathway to watching Godzilla versus Kong, of course, watched the 2014 Godzilla movie, really liked it, liked it way more than I thought I was going to. Started King of the Monsters, and immediately the tone was different, the feel was different, in kind of the same way that you watch the 1950s original Godzilla movie and it's kind of a more serious take and there's stakes and all of that. And I didn't really feel that with, with King of the monsters. It felt way more like a a traditional Showa era Godzilla movie where the only thing to, to, to worry about is the spectacle of everything that was going on. And it, and when I was watching it, I just, I couldn't get into it because I had this this expectation from 2014 because of what we had seen. And then it just wasn't meeting that expectation for the more like not I want to say serious side, but meaningful side, if that makes a difference. So for me, the reason I, I love that movie so much, and it's probably still my favorite of the MonsterVerse movies, is because it's a Showa era movie, because for me, I only need the one serious take. I need the one serious take that takes the concept realistically and shows the weight of everything. But if you're going to follow for me, if you're going to follow up that monster movie, the only satisfying way to do it for me is just to have a fun monster mash. So with that said, I decided and and I, I wanted to see Skull Island. I didn't have time to see Skull Island before this. I just I figured anything I needed to know from that, they're going to tell me in the intro scenes, which, as it turns out, doesn't really matter. But no, uh, it doesn't matter at all. You, all you need to know is Kong exists. Yeah. Uh, I, so I decided I'm going to refocus. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to tell myself for about two days ahead of time, especially as reviews started coming out. Just remember. This is not 2014's Godzilla. This is Showa goofiness. It is all going to be. And, and we should probably clarify if, if, if folks are turning into this for the first time, because it's a spoiler cast about a brand new movie. We were referring to the Showa era of Godzilla movies, which is the the 1960s and 70s era of of slightly goofier, campier Godzilla movies. Yeah. Uh, uh, ran from 54 to 75, started with Godzilla and ends with uh, Terramech Godzilla. And yes, like Drew said, I mean, the 54 start off very, very seriously. It's a harrowing movie that. Uh, while while the monster stuff is 
like conceivably fun it is not depicted in a fun way at all yeah and that's what makes it such a powerful film but it's immediately followed up by godzilla raids again which you see him tangle with a monster and then the third one ironically is king kong versus godzilla yeah. so the, the series so, quickly gets into the fun aspect of the and, of and, the spectacle and so i i i tried to set myself up for godzilla versus kong like just remember this ain't a, a serious take it's not trying to say anything like the i mean first, it's called godzilla versus kong yeah, but like the <laughs> first the first godzilla movie in, in 1950 in the 1950s was trying to say something Correct. 2014's godzilla on a certain level is trying to say something it took time to introduce you to characters and blah 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 this movie monkey fight lizard and I just, I just, I know, I know that like, it's, it's a matter like you remember, you're the big, you're the big Godzilla fan. You're used to the, you're used to these changing expectations. I had to set myself up for it. And because I set myself up for it, which trust me, I love King Ghidorah. King Ghidorah is my favorite of the Godzilla monsters. Great monster. It's a great monster. And I hate that I could not finish that movie because I just got tired and frustrated with it. But coming into Godzilla versus Kong, I had an absolute blast. <laughs> which which leads me to believe if you come back at King of the Monsters with that mindset, you will have a similar good time. I'm sure I will. I'm sure I will. Uh, so, so and, and this this movie does fix some of the flaws before we get into the plot. Some of the complaints about the first two movies were that while you had monster fights, they were often obscured or at night or in the rain or at night obscured in the rain and so you are 45 minutes into the movie after you don't care about the human characters and you just want to get to the monsters fighting each other it's not as long as you think (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty early on is when you see everybody but anyway we're not here to argue about king of the monsters um i i was really appreciative that immediately we see monsters in the in clear daylight or in clear visibility and that that was a big criticism that i had about the other two as much as i loved them that this movie fixes right away yeah and that was something that i appreciated we get we get uh kong early on walking through finding out that he's living in a uh uh uh, what's the name of that movie with Jim Carrey? I set up this joke and I can't. Truman Show? <laughs> He's living in a Kongman show, uh, a true Kong show. Uh, there you go. There it is. We got there eventually, gang. Uh, <laughs> but but really, the thing about it is, and as we want to talk about this movie a little more, I just want to say. There are a decent number of human characters in this movie. But it feels like there's a like this movie runs about hour and 40 minutes is it two hours yeah it no it's uh hour 53 so yeah, hour 113 little, minutes yeah it feels like there's probably a two and a half hour cut with a bunch of human stuff that got on oh, the cutting oh, room hundred percent a hundred percent i was i was just making this joke early before we were still recording i was like not to act like a Zack snyder fan but i was watching this movie and i was like seems to be a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor for these humans <laughs> Because we have Millie Bobby Brown returning. Uh, she was, of course, introduced in King of the Monsters. 
she's got about eight minutes of screen time. <laughs> You've got she's she's kind of the lead human outside of the uh, as outside of Gia, the, the little deaf girl. Yeah, that's true. That's true. There's a little more human stuff that I'm really giving it credit for. But they but they cut back on the human stuff a lot. And most of that is because they really spend the time in this movie to humanize Kong and to make you care about King Kong. He's he's trapped, he's tired, he's lonely, and apparently is only inside this this containment facility on Skull Island because the people that have cared for him for a decade are worried that Godzilla's going to come and mess him up. Yeah, and I'm really curious about this because this was a a a, a conscious effort on the screenwriter's part to to split up these monsters. And we we had seen in the last movie that Kong is on his own little island and pretty much no one really bothers him, but he's also an uh, an alpha titan. We we unless you've never seen a Godzilla movie, you can catch on early on that someone is agitating Godzilla and causing him to uh, basically appear and and make attacks, uh, making him act a little bit more like the Heisei, the beginning of the Heisei era Godzilla, where he's a little more antagonistic. Because in this film, he's presented not necessarily like the villain, but he's the antagonistic force from the viewpoint of the main human characters that you're following because they're trying to take care of Kong. Um, he's more or less a force of nature as he often is, but it's a force of nature that has been manipulated. And it's and it's, luckily and luckily uh, 11 Millie Bobby Brown uh She's on Kong's side or not on Kong's side. She's on Godzilla's side. Yeah. Sorry. I misspoke, Um, which I appreciate the truth. Yeah. (laughs) I appreciate that there are humans on the sides of both monsters. Yes. Even though those humans don't interact at all throughout the entire movie. No, they they don't. (laughs) And so what what's fun about this is it does give you a little bit of, of an edge to the tension because we we know from the last two movies exactly how big and bad Godzilla is. We just watched him take down King Ghidorah and every monster on the planet. So that they're worried that he's going to take down Kong. Clearly, they don't think Kong can take on Godzilla. And it adds just this extra dimension where, like like you said, they, they do make you root for Kong because they they humanize the character in a way. I mean, he can sign. And he he can communicate with this this one uh, girl who's the last surviving uh, person of an indigenous people to Skull Island. Yes. And also uh, the actress who plays her, who's also deaf, is just the most precious child they could have possibly gotten. Yeah, she you is. Are, she is you adorable. Are constantly feeling uh, for her. Kaylee Hottel as Gia, which is she deaf in real life? That would make mm-hmm. sense based on how well she, she can sign. Um, so I, I kind of want to just do a Cliff's Notes version. Yeah, of yeah, go, the go, go, go begin- for it, buddy. Of the at least the beginning of the movie. Yeah, because I'm just forced gumping my way through the plot. So you, you go for it. <laughs> so we'll get to we'll get to sort of the, the the mix but we really have two stories going on we have the godzilla story and we have the kong story the kong story is that kong is outgrowing his habitat he is bigger and they say this on screen once so that you understand off camera why godzilla who struggled to climb mount 
uh, t- struggled to climb the Empire State Building in the 30s is now as tall as Godzilla, <laughs> a.k.a. building size. <laughs> but uh, he's outgrowing his habitat. The people that care for him are worried about him. And there's this this sort of billionaire tech mogul uh, who is wanting to recruit Kong to get people into the hollow earth. Yes. Hollow earth is in this movie. If that is not a Showa era plot, I don't know what is. I was so delighted to, because I outside of the actual trailers, I stayed away from all plot details. So hearing them do this, I was absolutely delighted. And this also is a little bit of a reference to the other Toho Kong movie, King Kong Escapes, where they try to use him to locate this very special element. It's not quite hollow earth, but it's a similar idea. Yeah. So so that's on one side. And on the other side, you have Millie Bobby Brown and a new character who is Bernie, uh, played by Brian Tyree Henry, uh, a.k.a. the Paperboy, a.k.a. Jefferson Davis, Miles Morales's father in uh, Into the Spider-Verse and, and a number of other characters. That dude works. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, they and uh, <laughs> and the uh, nature's pocket kid from Deadpool 2 are trying to investigate why Godzilla has emerged after several years of 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 leaving humanity alone to attack Miami specifically the Miami facility for Apex Cybernetics, which is the company that the billionaire mogul that we meet in the Kong story owns. And it's (laughs) at this point that if I didn't have, I hadn't gotten spoiled ahead of time because of a a toy release about what the other thing that happens in this movie was, I'd have figured it out. (laughs) So Godzilla. Oh, it's, it's Pensacola, not Miami. Oh, is it Pensacola? Yeah, it's Pensacola. Apologies, Floridians, that I messed up your well, state. As someone who is with a Floridian, I had to hear how that wasn't really Pensacola <laughs> because of this, this, and this. Because I, I guess someone who has lived in Florida would probably know specific things about Pensacola. It was probably filmed in Atlanta, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, it it might have been. I think I read it was filmed partly in Arizona. Um. Doesn't matter. Uh, Doesn't keep matter. On. So, but they are uh, they are on the 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 run to try to to infiltrate Apex Cybernetics to find out what Apex is doing that is luring Godzilla to them to attack their stuff, and that's where our plot points converge as we get the reveal of what Apex is putting together oh yeah you know it it's cybernetics it's godzilla it's king kong oh no mothra why did you say that name they are going to team up king kong and godzilla to fight mecha godzilla which i know that is one of your favorites I just love the audacity of Mechagodzilla. I love yeah, I, you were you were I know you were a big Mechagodzilla fan. I have a, a big uh, Mechagodzilla statue or not, a little figure behind me that, that actually I have a whole setup where it's the uh, Mechagodzilla King of the Monsters 
shooting fire at the classic Mechagodzilla. <laughs> I, so th- this is, again, I got spoiled because of a toy release. It, oh, it we, would, we all did. It would have been obvious if you knew, like, again, if you had watched any of the, the Showa Godzilla movies, you know, in the second they talk about a cybernetics company, you're like, is Mechagodzilla going to be in this? Especially as Bernie, in his escape from Godzilla attacking his facility, sees a gigantic cybernetic eye <laughs> like okay this well, is what's there, there gonna is, happen there is that so one thing and I, we had this conversation about monster movies that i always loved and it's different in this era of of filmmaking and film viewing is in our kind of spoiler obsessed uh, culture as it is now you know the idea that you have to hide mechagodzilla whereas if this was a a Showa era Godzilla movie, all three of those monsters would be on the poster as, as the marquee spectacle to, to come see this movie. And it, it's, it's not good or bad. It's just, it's wild to me that how different things are well, because, it, you know, so, this is more of a, 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 a surprise. Well, you so know? I want to, I wanted to mention this. This is, this is a real life conversation. I actually had this morning. I was at work. I was talking about Kong versus Godzilla because we're recording this the day after it came out. Uh, So we both watched it last night. Uh, And and I was talking about that Cloverfield came up. And my coworkers were talking about how they remembered that the Cloverfield monster is barely visible in the movie. And you don't really get a good look at the Cloverfield monster until the very end of the movie. And I'm sitting here thinking, no, you see that thing pretty early on. You see it pretty easily pretty early on. Uh, granted, they hadn't seen the movie in a while, and I just watched it last month. But I also remembered at the time that they did not show the Cloverfield monster in any of the advertisements. They didn't want you to see the monster before the movie. Now, he shows up fairly early in the movie, but he's not in the trailers. He's not in the commercials. There's not, he's not in any of that stuff. And when you look at something like this, they were definitely doing a Kong like Godzilla versus Kong was definitely doing a Batman V Superman. They spent all the time in the advertisement setting up Batman fighting Superman. And anybody knows that they're likely going to have a bigger bad that the two main characters are going to team up to fight against. And that is exactly what happens here. It's it just is. to be fair. Historically, if a movie is called Godzilla versus somebody that is not the case you know um and it, it it is interesting that you bring up cloverfield because they're i think they're very different ideas and different uh styles at play because cloverfield was not an established monster and it was jj abrams wanting to to play with something that could be essentially seen as oh this was a leaked secret whereas godzilla i mean after 60 years, you can't really do that with that character. I mean, especially, and this is something that that's kind of interesting to me as a fan is this is the first time I think in, in, in recent American history that Godzilla is really a mainstream draw because I don't think any of the high safe films outside of maybe uh, 1985, which was 84's return of Godzilla and Godzilla 2000 made it into theaters. Hmm. And even then th- they were cult things. I mean, you, you saw on the back of a horror magazine or a star log or something, and you got it at Suncoast. 
when it came out maybe but like it wasn't something that was making millions and millions and millions of dollars at the multiplex so it's it's kind of cool for me because this is the first time that i think you have i think everyone out in supporting godzilla films yeah and, and the the simple fact that as i look at the cast of this movie zhang ziyi was in this movie Jessica Henwick was in this movie, but they're not in the movie. They were hired and they got shot, but they got ended up like those two actresses, pretty big names on the cutting room floor. Lance Reddick, Commander Zavala, dude from uh, uh, Fringe uh, uh, and Lost. He's in this movie for four seconds because all of his scenes cut out of the movie <laughs> which man if they were going to have someone narrate the, something for the beginning of the movie lance reddick would have been the perfect person to do it guardian but i would also believe that i was about to start a mission for destiny yeah. guardian king kong is outliving his outgrowing his uh holdings. containment containment yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so so this is an interesting thing where the criticism that i hear about a lot of godzilla movies especially older ones and especially 2014's Godzilla movie is that it takes forever to get to the monsters. And, and we joked earlier that the, there seems to be a cut with a longer cut of this movie with more human stuff that it's, they stopped. I think they, they chose to edit around certain things to get to the monsters earlier. But as part of that, they spend a really a large amount of time humanizing kong he's never referred to as king kong as i can remember in this movie at least not no. notably he's just he's only kong. referred to him as king kong in kong skull island by um oh gosh what's the guy you like uh, john c Riley. From john c Riley. yeah he says kong's king around here and that's the closest you get to you know king kong so but they they spend the time to show that they they humanize him they they end up sedating him and putting him on a ship to take him to antarctica they show that he's he's cold and he's tired and he doesn't like being chained up and they do all of these things to to make kong kind of this this sympathetic character sympathetic character and despite the fact that this is a giant ape who could destroy anybody uh, and and this is also well, who also just wants to be left alone. <laughs> yeah, that too. Except he does he does love and care for Gia, his little tiny human friend that they speak mm -hmm. to each other with to the point where nobody knows that Kong knows sign language except for her, the deaf girl, yeah, including her adoptive mom and any of the people that have that are literally watching King Kong on cameras all over. Skull Island. He, he 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 keeps it a secret. Um, <laughs> but but this again, this is the where we have to have the the uh, suspension of disbelief because this is not 2014 Godzilla. This is not 1956 Godzilla. This is 2020 Godzilla. So we then we get the first big set piece of the movie, and this is really I think where this movie shines. And and you've got Kong on this, this gigantic ship and the ship that he's on, I don't know what the class of ship is, but I've seen this kind of ship before. It is 
what what I call a a mobile dry dock. It's one of these big types of ships that can sink itself down, get underneath another huge ship and then raise back up so that you can do repairs and 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 repair damage and things like that to ships. And Kong is just chained down to one of these things. And and everything seems to be fine. Everything's going fine until uh-oh. They get a little far out of where they're supposed to go. And all of a sudden, who shows up on the radar? Oh, Big G. Big G shows up and you've got this. And this ship is surrounded by an entire naval fleet. Two aircraft carriers, multiple battleships, multiple other ships that are around, destroyers, everything that are looking for Godzilla, trying to defend Godzilla. And you get this awesome fight scene between Kong and Godzilla. As they're jumping across ships, Godzilla is dragging Kong underwater to try to suffocate him. Like there's all these really rad moments that are just fantastic. And once again, Miles, I have to ask you, who wins that fight? Oh, I mean, Godzilla. Godzilla wins that fight. Absolutely. And, you know, because they humanize Kong, because uh, clearly I'm a Godzilla fan going in. I'm rooting for Godzilla, if you're asking me who who I'm going for. But the movie does a really good job of humanizing Kong. And in a way, I I joked to to Krista that this movie should be retitled uh, Kong and the Terrible, Awful, No Good, Very Bad Day. Because (laughs) this mofo is just being strung around going through one BS thing after another. The dude just wants to chill. He wants to be left alone. And he's being just put into one awful situation after another. Constantly put upon. Oh, Kong gotta do this. Oh, Kong gotta do that. But it, it is that. And I think by doing that, they that really endeared Kong to me for this film because when I looked at it at that lens, I'm like, this poor guy. He just wants to just chill. And they just keep putting in these awful situations. <laughs> um so so meanwhile, on the other side of the planet, <laughs> we've got uh uh Millie Bobby Brown. I'm gonna be honest, I did not bother to learn any of the human characters' names in this movie. Madison, Bernie, and Joshua. Thank you. Um, <laughs> they they are sneaking back into Apex uh, because I got a big shout out to Bernie Hayes, podcaster extraordinaire. Because <laughs> we what was it the uh, the Titan Truth podcast? The Titan Truth podcast. Oh man, <laughs> never got caught somehow. As if you couldn't hide the his he was. Yeah, so that is the least of disbelief is required for especially for this one, because, yeah, how is he podcasting ab- about saying I am working for Apex and no I one put two and two doing together an inside job with Apex and I drive this weird van with a bunch of nonsense on it. The the only thing I could think of is, is, if, is that he was recording the episode, but hadn't aired it yet. But that was the, the only thing I could think. Of. But I think he airs. I think he airs. But he airs I it think, because that's how. That's how. That's right. Matt, that's how Millie Bobby Brown. That's uh, how Millie Bobby Brown and uh, uh, Nature's Pocket go to find him. And and the writing is a little weird for a lot of the human stuff. Uh, there's a scene where she and um, where Madison and Joshua are looking for Bernie because she knows that if if this guy is is for real, she he can be the link to figure out what's going on with Godzilla. 
And there's this scene where they're at this bodega and talking to this, the, the store owner about someone who has bought a lot of bleach. And it's a really strange exchange because when she brings out the money to kind of bribe him and she goes, oh, you mean Bernie, the way that scene is played makes it look like he's just pulling their leg. He, it sounds like he's making it up. I said the same thing. It's like this dude clearly knows nothing and then all of a sudden makes something up, but that ends up being right. It feels like there's more to that that right. they cut out like that dude was actually lying to them and they figured out who where bernie was later that we just didn't see that scene yeah <laughs> it it was a, a very oddly played scene it didn't bother me but it was something that that it was a red flag for me yeah i mean it's it's again it's one of those things where the other side of that is that bernie the reason he's doing this and, and this is where i think there's another deleted scene Bernie wears a like shoulder gun holster holster. Yeah. But it's got a flask in it with some liquor in it that was given to him by his deceased wife. And we're not given the exact circumstances of why she's she's dead. We have, I just have to assume it's because of one of these Titans that has, that she died as a result of, but it's never stated on screen. They cut that part out. It's got to be Apex. Otherwise, why is he investigating them? Unless it's I, I, I don't know. I <laughs> we don't, don't know. We've we, we seen their propensity to murder people. No problem. Um, so there, there is that again. And often in Godzilla movies, and this is as a massive Godzilla fan, I, I am also often told by people, oh, well, I like the movie or this this movie. But, you know, I just don't care for the human stuff. And as if that's a new revelation because in almost every single Godzilla movie, it is 45 to 60 minutes of boring human stuff from time immemorial, whether it's invasion of monster zero, whether it's Godzilla versus Hedera. And sometimes it's compelling. Sometimes it's not, but there's always a lot of human stuff. So when people say that, like it's supposed to be some real criticism, you're just describing a Godzilla movie, son. And that's what I said. That's what I said. I mean, for me, I, I have grown to love the boring human stuff because a lot of times it's these hilarious, nonsensical dramas. And and this movie's no different, nor was the last one. The last one was great. It was so Showa. And I think that's why I appreciate this kind of take off uh, King Kong lives because, yeah, they're going into hollow earth, which is interesting because they've also already carved tunnels through the earth that go from Pensacola, Florida to Hong Kong. Didn't hit any hollow earth in that tunnel. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's, there's some weird, like I said, there's weird science and it's fine. I don't care. I, I just laughed because here's the thing. When you watch a movie called Godzilla versus Kong, you are not, you are not here for realism. You are not here for Shakespearean compelling stories. You are not here for Oscar winning performances. Although I think all the performances are perfectly fine. You are here for spectacle. You're here for popcorn and for fun. It does not have to be anything more than a living fairy tale in front of you. And that's what this movie is. Yeah, and, and, and that is no truer than when we finally get to Hollow Earth. 
So we get to... Yeah, because it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. We get to Hollow Earth. Gloriously. It's weird. Like, there's... It's perpetual sunset, despite the fact that there is no sun. They show a bunch of glowing rocks in the sides of mountains, and I guess that's yeah. what's creating the light. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah, that, it doesn't it matter. doesn't matter. Not doesn't even a matter. little bit. Uh, but but I, I should also mention that, so this is when we also get the reason why they're going into hollow earth. Apex wants something from hollow earth. They, they want, claim there's an energy source. So they, what they want is they know that the, the Titans, the Godzilla, Ghidorah, Titanus, Mothra, Kong, they all like they 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 propose that that all the titans came from hollow earth and that's where they they were originally from and that they all derive their source of power from something in hollow earth so what they need is a scan of whatever that is in hollow earth as we flash to Millie Bobby Brown's story we learn that mechagodzilla is around but mechagodzilla can operate for about Two and a half minutes before it's completely out of power. So here's two. Here's two. We're going to put put those together for the explanation of what is going on. They need something from Hollow Earth to power Mechagodzilla longer than four minutes. That's why they're there. In Hollow Earth, Kong kills two random other kaiju that we're meeting for the first time that flap around like weird bats. It's cool. It's fun. Little monsters. But we get to the throne room. Oh, we see pretty sweet looking. We we see some some even bigger Kongs that are just in stone, like they're statues. Are they statues or were they corpses? I think they're statues. I couldn't tell. Uh, But but of course, Kong discovers this this throne room and this axe that is you know, wooden handle with a Godzilla scale blade in it. It's like really dope. But the best part is he he slumps down that throne like he's like, all right, my day is over. I am done. Finito. (laughs) And and this is the thing that makes you root for Khan, because the entire time he's just kind of like, (sighs) <sighs> that's the energy he brings to it and that makes him so endearing as a monster that that you know despite every every fiber of my being is rooting for godzilla you also don't want nothing real bad to happen to kong because yeah, like, you know kong's kind of a bro kong's kind of yeah. a bro like i'm team goji i'm team big g i'm i'm godzilla forilla but also Kong fam. I don't know. Yeah, I so, mean, <laughs> so with that, uh, so, so, but Kong finds this ax and he sees a, an ax shaped hole in the floor where he puts the ax in. All of a sudden, a bunch of other axes ring around a circle in a, in a weird Godzilla. Ouroboros kind of situation. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's cool. And that's neat. And all of a sudden, Oh, we have the daughter of the head of the company who has also gone along on this trip and she's like, go get it. And they send a little drone out that does a little sample 
and they send the sample digitally. They send all the data from this sample that they're taking. Yeah, which is also nonsense science. <laughs> doesn't make any sense why this would work. Uh, d- sending all of that stuff up to uh, the Mechagodzilla team. And then Kong does not like this. And this is where we get some of the most brutal stuff that happens in this movie. <laughs> uh, because Kong starts wilding out there are some bats that show up too. these like bat monsters and they kill a lot of dudes and this is the this is the really the most monster on human violence we get Mm -hmm. Um, but as as uh uh what is her name is it maya maya the the daughter of the the head of apex is running to her to her little anti-grav thing with a bunch of soldiers and they're like, let's get out of here. And there's so oh, the, the heaves, the heaves, which is, which is a great thing. Is it heavy, uh, uh so, is it hollow earth, hollow uh, something earth, vehicle. Uh, anti-grav vehicle. Yeah. It's, it's great. <laughs> it's, it's, it's wonderfully silly. It's, it's some definite show of nonsense. And this is where the most brutal death in the entire movie happens as Kong unhappy with what is going on grabs the heave in one hand and just crushes it it's like oh snap love it yes amazing so from here uh, godzilla has somehow sensed what's going on and starts He's in he's in he's in Hong Kong because he's been uh, called basically by uh, the waves that they're using to agitate Godzilla and and kind of have him attack places, which is something that has been used before in in Godzilla movies. Yeah, is that actually happening in this movie, or is it just that they're creating something that is threatening to him on a weird? psychic oh no, no yeah level. no the, the 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 impression that i got was they did this on purpose i couldn't tell that they did it because on purpose. because they had gotten the the power source for mech godzilla and they wanted godzilla there so that they could kill godzilla i i i i, I hear that but that doesn't explain why he attacked pensacola because they they i think so again i think there was a lot of stuff that was left out because I think they were trying to justify that when they had Mechagodzilla operational, now we have our own uh, beast. We, oh, we got to take out Godzilla. And here's why. Yeah. I mean, because because even Millie Bobby Brown's like, whatever they're doing is provoking Godzilla, but they never show what's provoking Godzilla. Like, we know that Titans can sense each other on a level that we as well, humans so- can't understand. And I imagine that that factored in at some level. But again, Cut out of the movie does not matter. Uh, the the Apex facility in Pensacola had this, uh, you know, that that device that was being powered, and I, I don't think there was any other reason they were utilizing that other than to make sure Godzilla attacked because they could put his name in the news. Godzilla is a a threat because he's out of control. He is not something that can be trusted, and we have the solution. But they needed to and, make and sure, again. But they needed to make sure that 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 component got to Hong Kong. Oh, I, I again, don't think they were worried about that. Again, it's it's uh, it's it's plot holes that don't really matter if your the whole point of your movie is monster fight. 
Well, there there is that, but I mean, it makes enough sense to where like, oh, this is what's you know going on, and and we can go back and forth on whether or not you know it was on purpose or not. But regardless, it was clearly the the component of Mechagodzilla that was agitating Godzilla. Yeah, um, it, it seemed to be like something they were doing on purpose. I, I will say one of uh. One of Krista's big criticisms with the movie, and one thing that just bugged her, is during the whole Hollow Earth scene when the other planes are getting attacked, all the other heaves are getting attacked by flying monsters, or when Godzilla uh, destroys Mia's ship and some of the other people are are being hit by bats. The main characters, Kong. which is uh, Alexander Skarsgård, uh, <laughs> we haven't even talked about Alex Skateboard yet. Uh, Gia and uh, her mom they don't react to the other humans dying at all and it it really bothered her and I was like well one those are the bad guys and I think they figured that out by now and also you know it's a high adrenaline situation you've you've been surrounded by monsters and destruction for a while now you just kind (laughs) of go with the flow and get out when you can (laughs) Uh, but so all the shenanigans that are happening the hollow earth godzilla senses it for whatever reason and just starts using his atomic breath and just pops a hole down (sighs) to the hollow earth (laughs) um for whatever reason, and then Godzilla it's, and Kong it's both, have... It's both completely unrealistic, because they had to go through this weird, like, warp tunnel to get to Hollow Earth. Right, but Godzilla has, like, you know... Oh, I, I got the shortcut. But it's also kind of dope to see Godzilla breathe up really... Because, again, we're using a CG Godzilla and not a monster costume Godzilla. He just, like, looks straight up to to breathe in energy and then just shove it all the way down. Yeah, it's oh. it, it's I mean, this, this the CGI in this movie is absolutely stunning. And so you get you get your second round of Godzilla versus Kong Godzilla versus Kong round two. We are on the city streets of Hong Kong or what's left of it, which I'm going to be real. Not going to be much after a lot no. of this happens. Um, and Kong gets some licks in, but still doesn't quite uh pull off round two yeah now now he does he does godzilla uses his radioactive heat breath what does kong do blocks it with the godzilla scale axe it works for me he it powers up the axe it charges it and he hits it harder it's dope it's rules this is a great fight. They're jumping back and forth between buildings. He puts up way more of a fight than he did on the aircraft carrier jumping around boat part. Well, Miles, he's got more to work with. He's got more to work with. But Miles, in round two, I'm going to ask you, I know you just answered this question, but I'm going to ask you honestly and plainly, who wins this fight? Oh, Godzilla. Godzilla wins the fight. Uh, but before we go on to the the third the third battle, I want to talk about something that I talked about last week when we were talking about the monster fights in Gamera Guarding of the Universe. I said specifically, and this movie delivered. I wish 
monster fights were choreographed like wrestling matches. <laughs> and in the, the in the Hong Kong Godzilla versus Kong fight, it looks like a professional wrestling match because of the way that Kong reacts. Godzilla still acts like Godzilla, but because of, well, actually, I think Godzilla throws a DDT at one point. Um, but the fact that these fights are choreographed a certain way, that they're legit just fighting, is everything that I've wanted to see. Seeing Kong, like, run and, like, use a building, building as a springboard to, like, uh, just leap off and power elbow Godzilla is great. It is everything that I wanted. And I it's was a great fight. I, I, I remember watching this movie. And I was like, I specifically said like five days ago, I wanted to see a wrestling style Kaiju fight. And <laughs> by God, they delivered a wrestling style Kaiju fight. And it was even better because I was squeezing this in in between watching this and AEW. So I was very, very excited. <laughs> um, and, and here comes after this, I would say the the one part that I'm a little bit critical about because I don't think that Mechagodzilla really gets a chance to shine as a bad guy or as a threat because they, I, I feel like they wrap up that part too quickly. Well, we should, we should discuss what happens with Mechagodzilla because this is my critical moment of the movie. So, okay. We have the data about how the Titans get energy from Hollow Earth, whatever that means. It is then implemented into Mechagodzilla after about a minute and a half, to which Ren Sarazawa, who has never... (laughs) Ren Sarazawa, the son of Dr. Sarazawa from the first two Godzilla movies... Their familiar relationship is never discussed on screen. Um, Says, this hasn't been tested. Are you sure? And the head of Apex, who's who I'm not sure he even knows his daughter is dead at this point. Um, Says, yes, we have to do it and forces it to happen. And so Sarazawa makes it happen. And for some reason. This causes Mechagodzilla to gain independence and sentience on its own, killing Sarazawa in the process, and shortly after, killing Walter Simmons, the head of Apex Cybernetics. Which, that scene itself was pretty fun, watching him just villain monologue, and in the background you see everything that's happening, and then Mechagodzilla looking at the... Yeah, little uh command center and chop chop yeah i mean it's fine for that but it, it don't make a lot of sense it didn't make a lot it, of it sense do, it, it doesn't i i was kind of hoping that uh sarazawa's character would be involuntarily fused or or um what's the phrase they use in pacific rim the drift drift drifted to mechagodzilla like something like that i would have preferred that i think than or him even, just flat out dying even the simple fact that his like we haven't even talked about this he's literally we know that mechagodzilla is built out of two of king Ghidorah's skulls one awesome sitting there with all of the 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 controls and one inside the actual head of the monster that is 
set up and then none of that is paid off. It's such a cool moment, but it explains why they can control Mechagodzilla and blah, 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 blah. But on some level, like if that is what causes the will of King Ghidorah to overtake Mechagodzilla. See, if like, they communicated not- that. I'd be, none, I'd be of down. That, none of that is in the movie. This is me saying this. And maybe this isn't a deleted scene and I just don't know. But what the hell? None of that's in the movie. Yeah, I I agree. And I think I actually drew, I think that's a really rad reading that Ghidorah's will or whatever overtook Mechagodzilla. I think that's a cool idea. I, I, I'm with it. And so the Mechagodzilla has his moment and he's I mean, he's putting the beat down on Godzilla. And it's clear that these two kaiju need to work together to take out Mechagodzilla, which I love. But it is a very short fight scene. And it takes away from me a little bit of Mechagodzilla's menace because they dispatch him pretty quickly. As soon as they kind of lock eyes to team up, it's it's over. Okay. But you're forgetting that there is a pretty long fight scene of Mechagodzilla thrashing Godzilla while yeah, King Kong is I, on I, the ground about to die. I get that. But like, I don't know. Like I, literally, I, I, Godzilla I has was... to have a heave. Uh, eek, the, uh, heave. Uh, uh, Kong has to. Or Kong has to have a uh, heave. Uh, uh, defibrillator. Defibrillator. To, yeah. To I, I, I guess up. I wish there was a little bit more lingering threat uh, for Mechagodzilla. There was just there's something that just felt a little short. Again, this is a minor criticism. Like this is my major problem with, with the movie. And it's it's so minor. But I, I think for me, the biggest problem I have is that Mechagodzilla I kind of wish he was introduced a little bit earlier in the film and was a little bit more of a lingering threat. Um, that said, I feel like what they do is is very, very solid. And 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 when, when this movie wraps up, it wraps up real quick. Oh, <laughs> yes, it does. So that so the Kong is awoken. He helps Godzilla defeat Mechagodzilla, which I have to it's say. Great assist. It's a great assist. I have it's to a say. Good move. And this is where it's funny because Rebecca watched this movie with me. And uh, when Mechagodzilla shows up the first time, uh, Bernie, the character, says, it's a robo Godzilla. And then uh, 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 Josh, Josh (laughs) slides in and says, no, it's a Mechagodzilla. That line doesn't make any sense. It doesn't matter. It's the it's dumbest so line. And it's like, and, and so Rebecca's like, oh, so like, I thought that if it was a Robo Godzilla, it'd be, it would be unpiloted. But if it was a Mechagodzilla, it would be piloted because it's like, no, you're overthinking this. It's just because Mechagodzilla is the name of the thing from 40 years ago. Yeah. It's, it's um, I, I, I uh, will say I was glad that in the shots that we get from this film, because the toys uh, don't quite nail the semblance to me. I was glad that Mechagodzilla bore a little more resemblance to Godzilla than the toys looked like. It looked way better than the toys do. And I also have to say. They do. What the classic Mechagodzilla does in that Godzilla has a very trademark roar. And Mechagodzilla has its own roar that sounds like a processed, played through a speaker version of that roar. And they do that for this Mechagodzilla too. And I they, appreciate He that. also has the drill tail, which it's I thought was a drill great tail. touch. It's great. 
there, there's a lot of good little Easter eggs to like Adam Wingard, who directed this film. And this is his first really massive budget film. He he started off in horror. Uh, he did a, a no budget film called A Horrible Way to Die. And then he did You're Next and then Blair Witch. And has done a, done a couple other films, but Not based off the those, Blair Witch Project, but the more recent 2016 Blair Witch, 2016 Blair Witch. Um, this this was his first massive project. Uh, he did he did direct the Netflix Death Note movie, but the less said about that film, the better. Uh, it wasn't the fault of the director. It was an awful script and. Yeah, we're, we're not going there, but uh, so, so, he was clearly a Godzilla fan because of the, the amount of little there's even a scene. So in the original King Kong versus Godzilla from 62, there is a hilarious scene where King Miles, Kong shoves Miles, a tree. Yes. And and Godzilla versus Kong, the, the <laughs> butt of that axe goes in Godzilla's <laughs> mouth. I called it when that happened, and I'm yeah. so glad that you're saying the same thing because that makes me feel justified in calling that out. Oh yeah, there there are, there are all these little things that you somebody within the project was a massive fan of these movies. They use and, Godzilla's classic theme in this movie. Well, they do in uh, King of the Monsters as well. Well, I wasn't uh, paying attention that closely. Uh, honestly, I feel like they use it a little bit better in King of the Monsters. But yes, uh, Junkie XL, who did the the score for this one, uh, did a very very good job. Uh, Bear McCrary did uh, King of the Monsters, and that that score is absolutely incredible. But uh, Junkie XL did a phenomenal job. He recently uh, he did the score for Zack Snyder's Justice League, but he's done a ton of stuff, a ton of stuff. Um, a big shout out to, Jack, score, to Zach Center's Justice League score because it uses the join <laughs> Junkie XL did it. So, of course, he's going to use the Junkie XL Wonder Woman theme uh, yes. more so than anybody else has used it. And I applaud that anyway. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Miles, um, I have to talk about the end of this movie. OK. Mechagodzilla. Destroyed. Mm-hmm. Arms cut off, cut in half, head ripped off in the same way that Kong had ripped off the head of one of the monsters in the Hollow Earth and drank its blood. Uh, which I is forgot a- about, yeah, there's a scene where he just uncorks this thing's head like a wine bottle and just. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we have a stare down. Kong. Godzilla, Kong, Godzilla. They roared each other. <laughs> Godzilla, Miles, who wins the stare down? No one. <laughs> and I'm not so sure. God- I mean, <laughs> Godzilla, <laughs> Godzilla out of honor decides not to fight. I mean, I agree with that a hundred percent, which Godzilla knows that he could destroy Kong in this moment and be the true single alpha in the entire planet. But he looks at Kong and he's like, nah, I'm good. Well, see that that's, that's the thing is that's what leads me to believe that he has been uh, manipulated for most of this film because in the, in the previous movie, he had very Showa. 
force nature, but still a hero tendencies. And this ending returns to that, where he's still a force nature, still Godzilla, but still kind of a good guy. And that's what I think happens here, is that he's like, you know what? Deuces. Good work. I'll uh I'll beat you I'll up. Call you never. <laughs> I'll beat you up later. <laughs> yeah, um, and you have the classic moment where you see Godzilla just and uh, so many movies end this way of Godzilla going back out to sea and things panning out as he just gets further and further into the horizon. And yeah, I mean I I really I don't know if I like if I love it as much as King of the Monsters, but it's close. But I mean, this is everything that I could want from a, a movie called Godzilla versus Kong. Well, and, and I mean, we have we have to talk. There's no post credit sequence, obviously, but uh, there there is there a, was. But he apparent uh, Adam Wingard apparently put it back in the film and and put it into a different context. He had shot a post credit sequence and then made it part of the film. Because what's, he what's said, scene, what this, scene was it? He didn't. He he refused to say. So I'm wondering if it's just the end of the movie where we see Kong happy and running around and being, you know, being Kong, uh, living, giving that goofy smile, <laughs> living his good life, <laughs> signing home to the to the deaf girl. As we learned that that is in the new Monarch Kong research station in hollow in earth hollow earth and that is where i think that's kind of the interesting thing kong is the king and leader and alpha titan in hollow earth and godzilla is king and leader and alpha titan on regular good earth quote unquote good earth <laughs> hey hey it's the earth we're a part of, man. It's the earth, yeah, it's the earth we're a part of. Well, that doesn't make it they mean it's good either. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I think I think the ending was satisfying. And I there's just so much about this. I, I mean, I know I mentioned it before, but the the little girl that plays Gia is to me the heart and soul of this movie. She she does things with facial expressions and just specific mo- movements but the the actual emotional acting that 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 little girl does is legitimately incredible it's the and best performance in the movie by a huge margin yeah and i mean you have great actors but she is able to do things silently that just she's the emotional core of the movie and yes. she's the reason that you really care about kong because again i've never been a massive kong fan like i enjoyed the peter jackson movie in 2005 I tried rewatching the 1976 movie. I mean, I did rewatch it uh, earlier this week and I was bored. It's I've just never been a massive monkey and gorilla movie fan. Like it's just never been my thing. So Kong typically doesn't have a massive appeal, although I thought Kong Skull Island was very good. So that they're able to make this character someone that you care about and somebody that it feels like a character. Like I wasn't kidding when it feels like this is Kong and the terrible, awful, no good, very bad day because uh, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent agree with that. Like Kong is out of working all, class Kong between Kong and Gia, the deaf girl. Those are the two most human and most uh, powerful performances in the movie. Yeah. 
that's that's not not, saying anyone's bad i mean there are some weird performances there are some goofy performances i feel like millie bobby brown and her whole crew with uh with uh josh and uh, bernie are goofier than they would have been in a previous movie they're they're just kind of they're written goofier they're 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 sure. acting is up to par what they're being asked to do i mean sure 100 percent. that that i agree with 100 percent. i'm just saying that as like i they, they do to, feel like they're from different movies because the, the stuff with kong and gia is legitimate emotional real yes. and visceral I I a hundred percent agree. And, and whereas, mean, and meanwhile, Bernie is calling Josh tap water for the whole movie <laughs> so because good, he is it's, because it's he is so critical good. of people who drink tap water because he has a conspiracy theory about tap water. It, it's I I love it. It's I mean, it works, but it's it's dumb. It it's dumb, yes. but it works. And again, that's the thing. That's the thing that 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 if you're gonna go into this movie, and this is gonna be my final thoughts of the movie. You have to check your expectations at the door. You have to check your your concept of a weird, serious movie at the door. This is goofy. It is even the serious moments. And I got to say this because I think it's necessary to say this. Even the serious, heartwarming moments between a gigantic 50-foot ape and a little deaf girl it's goofy it's weird it's not serious this is not a realistic portrayal of anything and the second that you get that and you understand that the second that you can have fun with what's going on here and i say that as someone who could not get into king of the monsters because i was too tied up and well that doesn't make any sense why is this a, and why is this was it doesn't matter it's my big monsters fighting that's all that this is for it's supposed to be fun mm-hmm. miles final thoughts um <sighs> This movie was was basically everything that I, I I had hoped it was going to be. While I do have some minor quibbles, the movie being dumb and unbelievable is not one of them. That that is what I sign up for. I want the movie to be silly. I want it to be, I, I want it to be like it was written in 1962 Japan, but with amazing effects. And I I really think that they 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 gave us that. Um, I think if you made any of the scripts from the Showa era after Godzilla or potentially Godzilla raids again, you would have a similar movie to Godzilla versus Kong. And as someone who just loves those kind of movies and these movies just, I've always had a very special connection to them. This, this is exactly what I want. This is, I like the fact that it's, it is at the same time, overly taking itself seriously as this, you know, high budget monster movie, but also you can't possibly take it seriously. And it's, it's, it's exactly what I, I would want a giant monster movie to be. It is not going to make me think about my life. It's not going to make me think about the environment like other monster movies have done, but sometimes it is perfectly okay to have your giant monsters throw down enjoy a bucket of popcorn and just relish in the chaos. And this movie gave me everything. It gave me 
you know, some good emotional uh, connections because of certain characters. It gave me wild, silly sci-fi Silver Age nonsense. And it gave me giant monsters fighting in a way that I had wanted to see for a very, very, very long time. And uh, could I have done some things differently? Absolutely. But am I satisfied with what we got? A hundred percent. HBO Max made the right choice of putting this on their, their service. I think it's going to really generate some, some business for them. And it seems to be generating business. The box office It set the record for a single day uh, attendance in the States, which uh, take that uh, as you will, given the state of things. But uh, yeah, exactly. It's, but it's, it's doing very well worldwide. I I am glad that the first actual financial success is Godzilla versus Kong. I'm I couldn't be happier with how this movie turned out. And yeah, I ha- I had the absolute best time. And I loved talking about it with you because this is this is fun for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun for me too. It's fun for me every week miles and we should probably shift focus i know we are leaving march behind and we were leaving talking about monsters behind we need to talk about what we're doing for the next few weeks so i am very very excited because you and i haven't had the chance to to talk video games very often i think we've only done it twice god of war and final fantasy 7 and it, 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 it is a challenge to talk about a lot of video games on our show because most video games take a long time to kind of take in and to talk about. And we don't often have the, the amount of time to really experience and digest a game before we talk about it. So so Drew and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, so we've tried to get a little bit of a head start so that we can take some time with the games that we are going to cover in next week's theme, Odd Game Out. We are taking a look at games that are part of major video game franchises and properties. Most of them uh, will be main titles, but some of them might be not quite a spinoff, but not quite a main title. And and look at these kind of overlooked games in in the medium's history, because I, I feel like there are some there are some games that we talk about or franchises that we talk about, and there, there's inevitably always one left out. And next week, we are going to be looking at what I think is going to be a very interesting game to dive into the very first Street Fighter game, because most but- people know Street yes. Fighter Starting with Street Fighter 2, you've got Ken and Ryu and Chun-Li and Blanca and E. Honda and and M. Bison and all of these characters and Hadoukens and Shoryukens and Hurricane Kicks. (laughs) But... Sorry, uh, <laughs> no that uh, that was the point of that. The point of that, and, I, and I your, your laugh warms my heart because it <laughs> nailed the joke I was trying to make. Uh, but a lot of us don't know the very first Street Fighter game released in very limited capacity in the United States, and 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 even when it was released on 
on home consoles in the United States, which it was done not even on the main home consoles in the U.S. under the name Fighting Street. What this game is, how this game plays, and ultimately what this game means to all of the Street Fighter franchise. And this is going to be a very interesting conversation as we talk about Street Fighter. I'm very, very excited about this. I'm a long, lifelong fighting game fan. And yeah, this is one that just doesn't get talked about at all. And and this is the kind of stuff that we're going to be looking into next month. I'm really, really excited to talk about video games for, for a little bit of change of pace. And I think we're going to be looking at some really interesting games. Yeah. So that's going to be next week on The More You Nerd. If you have any questions, comments, anything else, you can find us at The More You Nerd on Twitter. You can go to themoreyounerd.com, themoreyounerd.com. Find all of our backlog of episodes going back nearly a decade. I can't believe it. Uh, Facebook.com slash themoreyounerd. And of course, you can email us questions, comments, concerns, what you thought of Godzilla could get the monsters, what you think of Street Fighter or any other games that you feel like are forgotten as parts of their whole franchises. The more you nerd at gmail.com, the more you nerd at gmail.com. You can also find our web store for cool apparel and awesome stuff. Threat the more you nerd. Threadless.com. Yes. There it is. I got it, Miles. You don't have to correct me. The more you nerd dot Yes, we have noticed people have been buying some of our shirts, both our NES and classic logos. And I very, very much appreciate it. We both do. Uh, it helps you know keep the podcast going. And also, it, there's some pretty rad designs. Uh, we will be thinking of something to do for the monster theme. Uh, for the near future we didn't have an immediate hit like skanky squad but um we'll keep you posted on all of that so until next week we are going to end this show as we always do with a rousing nerd, nerd out, out.